0: morning guys you can take a seat um, yeah my name is Chris I think this is my third year here um, one thing well there's a lot of things different about this year but one of the things that instantly stands out to me is the other two years that I've been here have been on homecoming week and so you guys are usually dressed up in Star Wars gear or, or who knows what. And so a little bit different this year. Well, if you got a Bible, you can open with me to First Peter chapter two. My understanding that you're doing a series through uh, this book of First Peter. Um, I'll be honest. When I got a- asked to come, I was excited at the opportunity to come. Um but when I read the passage that was assigned to me I was a little bit less excited if I had to choose a passage to come here and just one off on um this this wouldn't be it not choosing a one off on the topic of submission and being subject um but I do want to just take a minute and just guys this is the this is the value of working through a a book of the Bible what we would call expositional preaching, or, or or just going just section by section, verse by verse through a Bible, or, or even doing a Bible study on your, your own. This is the value of it. When we just work through Scripture, it's going to force us to, to talk about some things that, that we probably wouldn't choose to talk about. And, and so as we open up today to, to 1 Peter, and, and as we, we we talk about this topic of submission, I think what we're going to find is that this is actually incredibly timely and relevant for, for each one of us in this world that we live in. God has some things to say to us as Christians about submission, particularly as it pertains to submission to things like the government, submission to, to things like employers, and, and ultimately about christ's submission but and our submission to him so 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 here's what i want to do i want to get us a a a little bit of a a snapshot of of where we're going because because you and i have to recognize that that as americans um you and i are born out out of civil disobedience i mean we're we're born into this every year fourth of july we celebrate what rebellion. Like we, we have fireworks and throw a party to celebrate rebellion. Now, uh, the rebellion was a good thing. I think there's some just reasons that we rebelled. I think there were some good reasons that we rebelled. It was just and right. But you and I have to recognize that, that we grew up in a, a culture whose natural disposition is to celebrate civil disobedience. And so today it would be tempting to spend all of our time talking about civil disobedience disobedience when it is that we disobey our government. And there's, there's a lot we can say about that. There's a lot of biblical examples, right examples, of when people have disobeyed the government and those in authority over them. You got the Egyptian midwives who, who rightly disobeyed their government, their pharaoh, when he said that all the Hebrew boys were going to have to be executed. You got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who rightly civilly disobeyed and refused to bow down to a golden statue you have daniel who rightly refused to obey a law prohibiting prayer so so i want to caveat all that i'm about to say today With there is a time and a place there is warrant for civil disobedience specifically when it's overtly going to go against god but that's not the point of first peter chapter 2 that's not the point of the text that we're in today. Rather than talking about civil disobedience, Peter's going to talk about civil obedience, submitting, being subject for the sake of God's glory. And so if you've got a Bible, I actually want to start back. Chapter 2 of First Peter, verse 12. Here's what Peter says, and we're going to get a little bit of context to, to what it is that he's talking about. Chapter 2, verse 12, Peter says this. Keep your conduct, how you act, among the Gentiles, honorable. So, so the Gentiles are these, these, these pagan people. They're, they're outside of, of the faith. So, so, so if he was going to say it into today's world, he would say, live honorably among people wh- who aren't Christians. Live honorably among people who are, who are outside of our faith. Well, why? So that when, and if you've got a pen, I want you to just, just underline, circle, just mark this when, so that when. Not if, when they speak against you as evildoers, they say, hey, this person's evil, so that when that happens, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So so why? And if we were to put ourselves into this setting, uh, why would these people, these non-Christian people, speak out against Christians as evildoers? Well, there's a there's a handful of reasons, and I want to give you some examples. So here, uh, just example number one, in, in Asia Minor, in, in modern-day Turkey, where this is written, um, one of the goddesses that they believed in was this goddess Lucina. They believed that Lucina um, was the goddess that, that, that helped fertility, helped their infants be born, helped these babies stay, stay healthy. And so, so all of these little towns w- would have these festivals to honor this, this goddess Lucina so that their, their babies would, would stay alive their babies would stay healthy what's happening is the gospel is going forth christians are no longer participating in these festivals they're no longer celebrating this so so what do you think happened when when a baby died what do you think happened when a a little kid was sick who who do you think's getting the blame for that they're going up to the the christians and, and they're saying how could you be against babies you're not showing up at our our festivals, and so so Lucina's mad. How are you as a Christian uh, against babies? Why are you bringing evil? Or just by this time in Christianity spreading, there's there's all kinds of rumors going on about weird things, right? Well, I mean, I I heard that Christians are incestuous. Have you have you heard that? I mean, they go around calling each other brother and sister. Or I've heard that that Christians are are cannibals. H- have you heard that? I mean, they, they, they drink blood and eat flesh. And so there's all these, these rumors and all these things going around. And Peter says, keep your conduct honorable. Live a good life. Do good things so that when they look at you and say these horrible things about you, they might look at you and see that there's something different in a way. In a way, and there's this evangelistic motive in a way that they might actually come to know and glorify him themselves. In a way that, that you're living with this honorable conduct in a way that's a light. Here's, here's what Jesus says, Matthew 5, verse 16. He says, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works, see you living honorably, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So today... From First Peter 2, Peter's going to give us three examples, three examples of living God-honoring lives, even when you and I are, are mistreated, even when we're misunderstood, even when we're maligned, whatever, three examples. The, the first example is submission to those in, in governmental authority, submission to those in, in governmental authority, so submission to those in political office. Fascinating that we're a month away from an election. Verse 13, here's what he says Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And what he has in mind is specifically government institutions, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. If if you got your pen out, I want you to to underline or, or circle this word every it doesn't say that you should be subject to to some or a few or 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 just the ones that happen to benefit you it says every the the greek word every here is the word pos it means it means every kind So, so there's not getting around this be subject to every kind of human institution submit be subject Follow those who are in authority over you. Well, well, we step back from that and we say, well, uh, I mean, P- Peter doesn't understand our world. I mean, Peter doesn't understand this world that we, we, we live in. I mean, that might have been good for him a, a long time ago, but, but, but I mean, uh, th- that, just, that just doesn't work today. I mean, do you know what's going to happen um, if we have four more years of Donald Trump? Or do you know what's going to happen if we have four more years of, 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 of the other guy and, 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 and Biden winning? And, and, and so we have all of these ejections. And, and Peter says, um, yeah, um, let me tell you about it. So the emperor, right before the writing of this in, in 1 Peter 2, was a guy named Claudius. Claudius was an absolutely horrible leader. I mean, legit, like mentally not with it. So, so he takes over the empire, the Roman Empire, at, at some one of the, the strongest places that, that, that it had ever been as an empire. And in and, and, and one or two years as, as emperor, he, 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 he almost destroys the, the whole thing, almost collapses it. Well, he's replaced by a guy named Nero. Maybe you've heard of Nero. Well, well, well Nero's first action as emperor was to deify Claudius and say, you know what, that, that guy was a god. And then he deifies himself, and he's so paranoid, Nero is, about, about losing his power that he actually has his own mother killed. He has several of his brothers poisoned uh, um, because beca- he he's wanting to maintain this control. And, and this is the guy who's in charge at the time that Peter's writing this. Now, there's, there's not empire-wide persecution yet. It's coming. It's around the corner. But it has started, where they've started rounding up Christians, and this is the example that Peter uses. Submission to those in governmental authority. So, so Peter hears our 21st century objections, and he's like, I heard you um, honor the emperor for the sake of Jesus. Verse 15. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So if you've got a pen, I want you to underline. This is the will of God. Don't we always want to know what the will of God is? We always want to know, what's God's will for my life? Well, one facet of His will for your life is this. Do good. Do good so that you will silence foolish people when they accuse you of things. Verse 16. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Then he gives us these four statements. He says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood. He's talking about Christians, love Christians, fear God, honor the emperor. Now, given the, the cultural climate that we're in, I want to spend a little bit more time just kind of walking out. Okay, okay. What, what does this mean? How do we actually submit to those in political office? What are some things that, that you can even do today to help make that happen? So, so number one, Honor them by praying for them. Honor them by praying for them. 1 Timothy 2 would, would tell us that, that we're supposed to be a people praying for those who are in authority over us. Now, that seems super obvious, but how often do we actually do it? Do we pray for their salvation? Do we pray that God would give them wisdom? Do we pray that God would, that, that God would work through them to make decisions that would benefit our society? Do we pray for them? Honor them by praying for them. Number two honor them by how we talk about them honor them by how we talk about them can we disagree with policies absolutely can we be disgusted by conduct absolutely but we don't stoop to that level we honor them by how we talk about them now let me let me just say wh- we've all seen the memes we've all seen the memes that doesn't mean that we have to participate in sharing the memes honor them by how we talk about them number Three, honor by not believing everything that you hear about them. Honor them by not believing everything that you hear about them. There's some, there's some crazy stuff out there, usually coming through the memes, right? Don't believe everything that you read, see, hear, and then don't pass that stuff on. Do, do some, do some fact-checking on your own. Number four, And I think this is the most important one. Number four, honor them by not elevating them to the level of God. Honor them by not elevating them to the level of God. Look at verse 17 again. This pops up in these statements. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear who? Fear God. Honor the emperor. So there's an honor that goes to these people, but there's not a fear. Fear. this reverent respect this is only reserved for God God's the only one who's supposed to be fear so we don't elevate political leaders whether we like the political leader or don't like the political leader to the level of God honor by not elevating them to the level of God so this is the first example submission to political leaders he's going to give another example of what it means to to, to live this honorable type life second example submission to those in the workplace submission to those in the workplace verse 18 he says servants be subject to your masters with all respect not only to the good and gentle but also to the unjust so servants be subject to your masters not only the good and and gentle but also to the unjust well this this word, servant, is the word doulos. Doulos was literally meant, meant slave. So he's saying slaves, be subject to your masters. Now, now we read that in 2020 and, and, and we, just, we just don't like that. We don't like it. What pops in our mind is 19th century American slavery, which was horrible and atrocious, and, and that's not the type of slavery that Peter has in mind. So we got to do a little bit of work to understand Peter's culture and what it is that he's trying to say here. So, so when I looked at, at going to college, um, one of the schools that I looked at going to, and I, I know you look at me and you think that I'm in peak physical condition, but uh, um, that was a joke. Um, uh, one of the schools I looked at going to was the Air Force Academy, and uh, I was not physically um, fit enough to get in. But one of the reasons I was looking at going there is it's a great school, but it's free to go there. In fact, they pay you to go to school there. However, if you commit, there's no, there's no getting out of it once you start. You're committed to go there for four years, and then after those four years, you are committing up front to be there another four years after that. So you're committing eight years of your life to this. They're going to put you where they choose. They're going to put you in the job that they think is best for you. You are very much underneath their authority. Well, this is closer to the type of institution that Peter has in mind it, it isn't a, a system that's based solely on race in fact there were many doulos is who were highly educated who sold themselves into a system like this in order to pay off debt find work do something like that and so so here's what Peter is saying if he were to show up in this room here's what he's saying respect your employers respect your supervisors Respect those who are in an employment way, in authority over you. Teachers, parents who are in authority over you, even even if you think they're unjust. And there's an Old Testament guy like Joseph that gives us a a role model, a, a prime example of this. He does nothing but work hard. He only honors his employer, but yet he's unjustly accused, unjustly punished. And what happens? God ends up working through it. And that's the heart of what he's getting at here. Verse 19, he says this, "For, for this, for this, what's the this? It's submitting to those in authority over you. For this is a gracious thing. When, mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? So, so if it's your fault and you get in trouble for it, he says beaten for it, th- then what good is that? But if when you do good and you suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing, a commendable thing in the sight of God. So it's a good thing when you patiently endure suffering. Does it say that it's an easy thing? Nope. Does it say that it's going to be a quick thing? Nope. Submit to those in authority over you, even if it's unjust, even if you don't like it, even if you disagree with it, this is a gracious thing. Your translation might say it's a commendable thing. God is pleased with this. Well, Peter's going to give us one last example, and it's the ultimate example of submission that brings glory to God. It's the example of Christ. The example number three is the submission of Christ. The submission of Christ, verse 21. For to this submission, living honorably, for to this you have been called. Why? Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps, so, so Peter's like, I, I've given you this, 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 this example. I've got an example for you. Christ is the ultimate example of one who lived honorably, who lived submissively and glorified God. Even, it, even during what was the definition of injustice. He's our example. But even more than our example, we root our submission and how we seek to follow in the gospel, in the good news. His submission lands him on the cross. And that's the reason that you and I can and are called to submit. And and, and this is really important. I got a really good friend that's that's not a, a, a Christian. He's not a believer in Jesus. He thinks that Jesus is a really good guy. Thinks that Jesus is a really good teacher, even though I don't think he's actually read anything that Jesus has said. Thinks that Jesus is this really good example of humility. Jesus is all of those things. But Peter takes it one step further than just, hey, he's an example. Verse 22. Peter's going to paraphrase one of the most important Old Testament passages, Isaiah 53, about what it is that this Messiah would do and where our hope actually is. Here's what he says, verse 22. Talking about Jesus, he says, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Christ does serve as an example, but his, his example is a game changer for us. His work is what gives us the fuel even to obey this. His submission was to go to the cross. But who does he go to the cross for? He goes to the cross on behalf of you and me by entrusting himself to God who judges justly. Verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So his submission is this example But it also allows us to live like this. By his wounds you have been healed. For you, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So so, so he says, keep your conduct honorable. Gives these examples of submission because he's saying when you submit, when you live honorably, you're showing that you actually believe this. You actually believe that, that God's at work even through it. You actually are showing who it is that your soul belongs to. You're showing that he's the shepherd of your soul and that you're not. I'm not in charge. I'm not the shepherd, but he is. You're trusting your situation even if it's unjust to God. And so, so I want to end this morning, and, and the reality is I, I, don't, I don't know you. I get the opportunity to come here, and when we open up God's Word, we trust that, that He's the one who's going to make it living and active. He's the one who's going to apply it. So I just want to ask a few questions. And, and so you can write these questions down, and, and I think maybe you got some reflection time here or, or, or whatever. But, but, but what would God say to you through this? So i got three questions for you. Number one, who or what do you find it hard to submit to? Who or what do you find it hard to submit to and why? Who or what do you find it hard to submit to and why? Number 2. Number 2. How can keeping your conduct honorable bring glory to God? How can keeping your conduct honorable bring glory to God and number three how does the work of Christ spur you to submit and live honorably how does the work of Christ spur you to submit and live honorably How does the work of Christ spur you to submit and live honorably? Would you pray with me this morning? Lord Jesus, it's a joy to gather with these students in worship of you, praise of you, to open your word. And Lord, I do pray through this series in 1 Peter that you would take these words and you would apply them to us. God, I'll be the first to admit this, this idea of civil um, obedience is not something that comes naturally to me. Don't think it probably comes natural to most of us. Um, but God, would you, would you give us wisdom? Would you show us how and when to obey, to civilly obey in a way that brings glory to you, in, in a way that that keeps our conduct honorable, so that 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 people look at us and might see our example, and end up glorifying you in the process. God, God, this isn't an easy thing. Especially, I think, of this election year. I think of COVID things. uh, I think of uh, you name it. God, would you give us wisdom for it because we need it. God, I pray that you'd bless these students, that you'd give them a great rest of this year. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. in just a minute we're gonna break into our e-groups and discuss those three questions